Okay, let's begin our discussion. Parshas Vayechi, last parshat in Sefer Bracious for this year, Tashinai and Beis. As we start off, Vayechi Yaakov, the only parsha in the Torah that starts off without the regular spaces in between the parshios. Rashi explains why that might be. We'll focus on the first pasuk for a minute. Vayechi Yaakov, Eretz Mitzrayim. Yaakov lived in Eretz Mitzrayim, Shvas Reishonah, for 17 years. We have the 17 years the first seventeen, you can split up Yaakov's life into the first seventeen years of the of the Yosef growing up. You have the next twenty-two. You have the next seventeen. Every period of Yaakov's life can be uh, designated in a in a certain way. So Yaakov lived in Mitzrayim for seventeen years. Yaakov seventeen Meshachachma starts us off tonight by pointing out we just emphasized at the end of the previous. Parsha, Vayeshev Yisrael Beretz Mitzrayim Be'eretz Goshen. But Yisrael lived in Goshen with Yaakov as their leader. And yet here it's as if the Pasuk is emphasizing he lived in Mitzrayim. Vayechi Yaakov Be'eretz Mitzrayim. In Mitzrayim. He didn't live in Mitzrayim. He lived in Goshen. Says the Meshachachma. Ha'inyan. Let me explain this. Sheha'adam Yesh Echad Shachay La'atzmo. Sometimes there are those people that live for themselves. And there are those that live for their family. That's a little more <laughs> expanded. And there are those that live for their city. And then there are those that live, whether consciously or unconsciously, for the entire world. That's what it says in Mishlet. Sadiq Yisod Olam at Sadiq could be the basis to be the foundation for the entire world. And that's what we have here emphasized, says the Meshachachma by Yaakov Avinu. Yaakov Avinu lo He didn't only live for himself. He didn't only live for his family or even for his city or for his area. He lived for the entire civilization at that time, which was Mitzrayim. And that's why, as we know, Hainu Shepasach HaRav B'Mitzrayim. That's why the famine stopped, right, when Yaakov came down. Why did the famine have to stop? There was a, there was a prophecy, seven years, seven years, so let it stop in, in, in Goshen. And in a couple, a couple years from now, the, there's going to be blood here and blood not there. So it's not beyond God to, to split. So why did the famine have to stop? The answer is because Yaakov's presence affects and radiates out. And it affected the whole Mitzrayim. He came down and the river, the river went up to Paro once Yaakov came down. That's a Yaakov Avinu. Someone who lives, he represents and his own Mahus is living not only for himself, but his existence radiates to the entire world around him. And that's what's meant at the end of the parsha. Evel Kaved Zela Mitzrayim. It was a tremendous mourning that happened in Mitzrayim. Why? Why was Mitzrayim so sad when Yaakov died? Okay, but Israel were sad. Why was the rest of the Mitzrayim sad? Why? Says at least one Medrash. And this one is not as famous as the one that we just quoted. That the famine stopped when Yaakov went down to Mitzrayim. There's another Medrash that says it came back when he died. Shachazar Harav Limkomo Achar Petiraso. It came back, and that's why it was Eva Gadol. They were mourning again. Because in his chus it stopped, and when he was nifter, then it started again. That's why Rabbi Yudha Nasi in the Yerushalmi called himself in humility. 
V'chaye Yehuda, Yudzayin Shana B'Tzipori, Yehuda, about himself, Yehuda Nasi lived in Tzipori, one of the places that the Sanhedrin moved after it left Yerushalayim, I went to uh, Yavne, then went up north to the places of Sipori and, and uh, Tveria, all the places, Usha, that we mentioned once before. That's, that's one of the legends that explains why the Rambam is buried in Tveria. And the legend goes that he, he died, well, he died, he didn't die in Eretz Israel, he died in Egypt. So they didn't know where to bury him. So the legend goes that they put him on a horse, on a donkey, and the donkey started walking. And it walked and it walked and it walked and it walked, and it came to Tveria. Boom, it stopped in Tveria, so the Ramah is buried in Tveria. Or else, how did the Ramah get to Tveria? It's very unusual. There's no bed. Until we have a better explanation, you know, so we'll just go with that legend. But then the question is, why Tveria? Why not Yerushalayim? Why not Hebron? So I once heard a suggestion that that's the last place where the Sanhedrin was. So the Rambam wanted to be, have a front row seat by Trias HaMesim. When the Sanhedrin, you know, restarts, Bechara, that was the last place it was. The Rambam wanted to have a front row seat in, uh, in the Sanhedrin. Okay, even if he wasn't there, we'll give him a front row seat. But either way, so says the, uh, so at one, st- one place where the Sanhedrin was, was Sipori. So Rebbe, Rebbe says in Yerushalmi about himself, he lived for 70 years in Sipori. Hainu, she'en miva'an v'sanuso, hikten akvodo, she'enu chayrak b'tzipori. Says the Meshachachma, in his humility, he only took credit for living in Sipori. Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi. But really, the, when you have a tzaddik, Yisod Olam, the entire world exists for that tzaddik. Aval ha'emes, shrebi chanina tzavach, ilochem ubarosha be'eret Yisrael, woe to you, pregnant women in Eretz Yisrael. Shari shekvodo hegin al-kol Eretz Yisrael. Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi really protected all Jews throughout the lands even though he said Sipori, really it meant all. Vizeh, and finally, says the Meshachachma, now we also understand not only why the Mitzrayim were all upset when Yaakov died, but why the brothers all of a sudden were very nervous. Vizeh, Shero, Acha, Yosef, they saw that their father died. What does that mean? Hainu, Shechazar, Hara, of Lemkomo, Ukamamar, Hasifri, they saw the famine came back. They thought that now they were going to Go back to an earlier place in history, and Yosef was going to get upset at them. And that's why they feared uh, from Yosef. But Dafka, the message for us is, where did he live? He lived for the entire world around him, and that's how, on a more conscious level, we have to live for the world around us. Yes, one of the Hasidic Rebbe's once said that, you know, one time I wanted to change the world. Then I realized I, I couldn't change the world. So, you know, I, I worked on my city. Then I realized I wasn't up to that stage even. Couldn't work on my city. So I, I worked on my family. Then I realized I wasn't even there yet. So I worked and I worked on changing myself. So yes, of course, it starts with ourselves. But once we work on ourselves, we have to try to do everything we can in that order for our family, for our community, radiating out. And our goal is to be to make a dent and have an effect and have an ashpa and leave the world a different place after after Me'ava Esra. Okay, he quotes another shot at the end, which we're not going to go into. Another reason why the Mitzrayim might have been upset because a, a kevert tzaddik is mechaper and they knew that concept and they, he, that's why he was buried in Eretz Canaan and not Eretz Mitzrayim and that's why they were upset. Okay, that's the second idea. But we move on. Let's go now to the next Pasuk in the parasha. So Yaakov was old. We mentioned a couple of years ago. Yaakov was the first one in history that got sick before he died. We mentioned the Chizkuni, I think, two years ago. Used to be that everyone sneezed and that was it. 
But now that's what we say, God bless you, because that's what it used to be. But Yaakov was the first one. He David, he wanted to be able to have time to to be mitzavez beiso. So Vayikra b'nei Yidis be Yisrael lamus. Vayikra b'nei Yosef. He calls to Yosef. Vayomer lo. Please swear to me. Don't bury me here. Swear to me, I swear. And then Yisrael, Yaakov, bowed on Rosh Hamita. What's he bowing for? What's this Hashtachava for? Rashi, Pazak Lamad Aleph. Vayishtachu Yisrael, quoting Gemara in Megillah, Ta'ala be'idnei segidlei. A fox who has his day bow down to him. Ta'ala be'idnei segidlei. You gotta give honor to the fox, you know, when he has his day. Okay, that is one Pasuk. The very next Pasuk. Perachat memches Pasuk Aleph. Vayihi acharei advarim ha'elei after these things. Excuse me. Your father is sick. So what does Yosef do? He takes his sons. Takes his sons to go visit their father. Yaakov hears about He's coming to visit you. He raises himself up. And he, and he gets strengthens himself on the bed. What's he doing? He's sick. What's he strengthening himself on the bed for? Says Rashi, Vayischazek Yisrael, Omar, Af api shehu b'ni, even though he's my son, Melechu, he's the king, he's the viceroy. Someone pointed out to me this week, you know how many years Yosef was was a leader in Egypt? Unbelievable. It's, it's easy math. 80 years. Right? When he was 30, when he came down, and he died when he was 110. He was leader in Egypt for 80 years. That's unheard of. To have a ruler for 80 years? And they still forgot about him. They didn't care about him and his descendants. Just a ha'ara that he was, uh, he was ruling for 80 years. Anyway, so Rashi says, even though he's my son, he's the king. I'll give him kavod. Look, he's the king. You have to give king to the malchus. And Moshe did it also to Paro. And Elio did it also. But that's why Yaakov strengthened himself to give cover to Yosef who was coming to see him. It's interesting. Tupsukim earlier. Yaakov gives a little hishtachava. Why? Ah, you got to give the foxes time. Tupsukim later, he's the king. i got to show respect. Somewhat unusual. You have these two Rashis that seem to go in opposite directions right again, right? In context of each other. This is picked up by the Eila Hadvar for Schlesinger. Picks up on these two Rashis. He quotes first the Rashi about the fox. Line 10, let's start with in source number 2. What impression do you get from that mashal that Yaakov bends down a little bit to Yosef? He bends down a little bit and the mashal is given his love to the fox. Omer, you know what that, that reflects? Even a fox, which is looked at not as such a great, wonderful, high-level animal. It's a, it's a low-class animal, the fox. He's sly. right? He's a, tri- he's a trickster. But if he has that flow, bow down even to him. This is his good time. 
You find this phrase in other other uh, ways, like the, in Perkiyavos, right? Everybody has their moment. The Gemara Brachas, he doesn't quote it. Says when a rush is having a tzlacha, you know, don't start up with him. But there's one mashmaus to all of these, to all of these um, types of phrases. Vehi, and that is. Even though there's something lowly and negative to the person that is being dealt with, but when he's having his moment, you know, give him some covet. Lines 18. That is why the expression, the expression is used to reflect something negative. And therefore, if you think about it, that's what's being reflected by Yosef and Yaakov. Yeah, you really should have given him some covet. But you know what? He's the, even got to give the fox covet. But then says the Eladvarim, our question, line 21. Twice he's giving him covet. The first time is as we saw when he is calling him to bury him in Eretz Yisrael. And Rashi there says, And the second time, a few seconds later, Yosi brings his children to visit their elderly, sickly grandfather. And it says, So why is it that one time he's a fox and one time he's the king? What's the difference? That's the Shiloh. Line 30. What's the difference? So the Sifsech HaChavim gives one idea, but we're going to go with the second idea, turning over the page. V'nir Lomar. Shehahedgesh hu lo al ta'ale. Don't focus on the fox element. Ka'asher Yosef nidmel l'shu'ol b'yachas la'aviv Yaakov. That's not the message. Focus on in his time. Klomar. When Yosef is coming to do Biker Cholim to his father, he's coming as a child. My father's sick, I'm going to visit him. Doesn't matter who your father is and who you are. I'm sorry. And even if a Ben is having Hatzlacha, and he's the king, he still be Mechabit, your father. It doesn't matter what position the son is in when he's giving him covid. Says the Elah Hadvarim, when Yosef is coming to visit his father, he's not coming as the king. He's coming as Yosef, the Ben Zakunim. He's coming there to, to give cover to the father. But Yaakov still gave him covet, even though he was coming as a son. But 
But when Yaakov comes and says, Yosef, I need to ask you a favor. I need you to give me a promise. He didn't ask any of the other Shvatim. All of the Shvatim, as we'll talk about, had Midos. There he's, he's coming to like a Melech. Only Yosef has it within his power to bring Yaakov there. He will be able to be Mekayim, the Shvua, to his father. Therefore, skip the brackets. Nimsa, line 16. He has a lot of sons. And he can be Makayim his Shvua in that way. It doesn't matter that doesn't matter who this is, even if it was a fox. But if in the time he's in the right place at the right time, I got It doesn't matter who it is. I have to show him the proper respect because he's the one that can help me. Somewhat, you have to read between the lines, because on the surface, you see his vart, and it's opposite. When he's coming to visit the sick, that's when he calls him a king. And when he's coming as the, for the burial, he calls him the fox. But his emphasis is that it doesn't matter who it would be to get him to take him to Eretz Canaan, even if it was a fox, he's having, he's in his time. But either way, that's the message of the Elah Dvarim. Yosef is coming in two different realms, in these two different experiences, and that's why Chazal pick up on that and and give different mishalim and different explanations. Then he just adds at the end, that is why at the end of the Parsha, the brothers are also scared of Yosef, as we just mentioned also in source number one, and the brothers say to Yosef, line 21, Please bear and forgive your brother's Pesha. Again, the emphasis is your brothers, because they're relating to him like a brother. They're not focusing on the Melech element, they're focusing on the brother aspect. Look what they did when this is how you treat a brother. You throw him into a pit. Every way that the Torah or Chazal categorize and formulate the relationship, we have to know that there's a reason for it. Here he's called a brother, here he's called a son, here he's called a melech, here he's called a fox. Everything is to give a certain message for us to, to take with us. Okay. That helps us understand two of the Rashis in the, in the Parsha. We continue now. Torah tells us, Perek Memches Pasig Zayin. Yaakov is talking to Yosef, telling him a little story. Pasuk Hey will start. Your two sons that are here in Mitzrayim that you had, I'm elevating them to the level of Shvatim. And everybody you have afterwards, if you have any more kids, they're not Shvatim. They're not going to be their own Shvatim. Menashe and Ephraim, that's it. Shvatim end here. Everybody else is included in these 12 Shvatim. V'ani, or 13. V'ani bevo'imi padan. We're going to focus on this Pasuk. Yaakov says, when I was coming from padan, back from Lavan, 
Mesa alai Rachel be'eretz kena'an baderech. Rachel died on me. Binyamin was born, and Rachel died on me on the way. Ba'od kivrat eretz balvah prata. On my way to Ephrat. On my way to Ephrat. Bo'ek b'rei Hashem baderech Ephrat. He based him. And I buried her there on the way. Rashi. Ba'ek b'rei Hashem. I didn't even bring her into Beit Lechem to the Aretz. What do you mean the Aretz? He just said she died in Eretz Kenan. That's a little side point that Sifzeh Chacham here says. She was buried in Eretz Yisrael. But I didn't even bring her into a more habited area. I buried her on the road. The Adati Shish Belitchalai. I know that you're going to have tainas on me. Right? My, my favorite wife, your mother? Yaakov is like, I know you're going to be upset. Avodalacha, but let me tell you, I did it for on purpose for a reason. Sha'apiyadibur kivarti Hashem. I buried her based on Nevoah. Sha'tiyya le'ezra le'baneha. So she could be a help for her children. Kishayigla osam, kishigala osam nevuzradon, vahayu ovrim derechsham, when B'nai Yisrael go into Galus, and Nuvuzradon and Churban Bayis Rishon sends them out. Yatzas Rachel al Kivra uboche umevakeshes aleim Rachamim. Rachel as Rachmanus shneemar kobra manishma as the kino that we say goes through. That Rachel is the only one that Hashem listens to. None of the other avos or imahos. Ve'akadosh Baruch Hu meshiva yishchar lefulasechnu Hashem v'shavu banim lugvulam as we know the haftorah I think from Rosh Hashanah as well. But this is the medrash. So Yaakov says, why didn't I bury her? Because I need her to ask forgiveness. I need her to ask for Rachmanus, rather, for Klal Yisrael. If you look back for a minute, if you have a Chumash there, Parshas Vayetzei, Perak Lamid, Pasik Tezvav. Lamid Tezvav. Says the Torah. Remember the story? Ruvain. And she brings them to Leah. Rachel says, Can I have some of those special dudaim? You took my husband, you're taking the flowers? Rachel says, Okay. Seems to be a lack of kavod in the way that they dealt with. Yaakov's life here. The shchiva of who Yaakov was going to be with that night. Rashi, Korni Chazal, pick up on this. Right there. What was Rachel doing? Sheliyah is the shchiva's Lailazu. Says Rachel to Leah, really, Yaakov was supposed to sleep in my tent tonight. I'm giving her. Chazal say, maybe this was a flower that she thought could help her become, uh, being able to have children. But Rashi there quotes. Ulafisha zilzala b'mishkavat tzadik. Because she was mizalzeles in the shchiva, the mishkav of Tzadik Yaakov, she was not zochet to be buried with him. Asked Rav Yosef the Chemi Kornitzer. We have two different chazals. And we'd rather not say that they're arguing on each other. We have two different reasons why Rachel wasn't zochet to be buried with Yaakov Avinu. We have our parsha. She wasn't buried because Vedafka Hashem needed her there or wanted her there, Latobas Klal Yisrael, so that she could daven for Klal Yisrael when they went into Galus. 
And yet a couple of parshas ago in Vayetzei, same Rashi quoting Chazal, that she was mizalzelous in the covet of Yaakov Avinu, and therefore she wasn't Zochah to be buried with him. How do we put these together? Says of Yosef Nechemia, source number four, quotes both Rashis, and he says, it all fits in perfectly. All fits in perfectly. Vahanira Bazet. About the tenth line. Numbers are a little rubbed out. Vahanira Bazet. Shahadvarim matimim vaolim bakane echad. Everything fits in perfectly. As I explained elsewhere, Chazal pick up and say in Bethesmoid Moed Katan, Bahadachsin Moshel Baadam Sadik Moshel Yirat Elokim. Amr Akarish Barachu, Ani Moshel Baadam, Mi Moshel B Sadik. Ani Kozev Sadik Mevatel. Mark seems to say that someone who is Moshel on themselves, Hakadosh Baruch Hu listens to. Ani Kozev v'Tzadik Mevatel. Explains Rabbi Yosef Nechemia without getting into the details of the Gemara. Ulafi Ani Yisadik Havanas Hakro. What does that pasuk mean? Quoted from Mishlei. Ki Yisadik Hamoshel Al Taavosav Habaimlo Mitzatshu Adam Meadama Zehu Asher Yuchal Limshol Agzeres Hakadosh Baruch Hu. If somebody is Moshel on themselves. Then Hakadosh Baruch Hu will also kaviyachel be subject and be ruled by that tzaddik, a tzaddik who is a moshel first on himself, on his own taivas, on his own desires. If a person can overcome themselves, their own yetsir, Hakadosh Baruch Hu will then be goes there what that tzaddik wants, as it says in Pirkei Avos, Al Derech Shamru Chazal, Batel Ritzoncha Mipnei Ritzono. Nullify your own ratzon in the face of his ratzon. Hashem will be mevatel his ratzon. The language of the Mishnah. So a, the, a secret way that we could get a Baruch Hu to be gozer gzeros tovos or be korea gzeros rose is if we're Moshe on ourselves. Gemara says elsewhere, we're so accepted by Akadosh Baruch because he was like a an Eved Lefnei Melech. He was always he was always near him. But what does that have to do with us? Someone who's Moshe on their own life and is mevatel themselves. Someone who's mevatel their own ratzon, Hakadosh Baruch will then will then be mevatel his ratzon for their ratzon. Now says of Yosef Nechemi, that's all background. Vahanira next column, line three. Ki chalila lomar sherochel akeres abayis zilzala b'mishkavat tzadik b'muvan apashit. It's impossible to suggest that we take those psukim literally in Pashas Vayetzeh that Rachel was so flippant in the way that she dealt with Yaakov's mishkav. Who's going to do it tonight? You, me, Rachel Imenu. We can't think of there has to be something deeper here. Ella Shalila Zelel Shvu is Man Matan Torah Haya. Say a number of the Svarim, it was Shvuis night. It was Vav Sivan, or Zion Sivan, depending when the Torah was given. It was Shvuis night, as the Chasam Sofer says, Be make Kitsir Chitim. Kitsir Chitim, it was time of the harvest. Zvan Kitsir Chitim was the Alechem Shal Shvuis. And the Imos realized, 
they realize that this was a special night. And a child that comes from a relationship tonight could have unbelievable kochos for the world and for Abbas's Torah. As we know, who was born that night? Who was fertilized that night? Yisachar. Yisachar. This week's parasha, Chamar Gorem. He slept. He put the Torah on his back. The head of the Sanhedrin. Al-Kain. Rachel says to herself, seeing the Nevoah, she says, I'm barren. I'm an Akara. So nothing's good's going to happen with it for my relationship tonight anyway. So for the good, for the betterment of the world, for the betterment of Kiddushem Shamayim, I'll give away the Mishkaf tonight to Leah. Who I know, maybe she'll have a child, it'll be Marbitz. Who Marbitz quote Shamayim. Al Kain Rachel Liosa Akara, Velotelimi Biazu, Bitsid Kasa Agadola. For a second time in her life, she gave it away. The night of her marriage, of her potential marriage being the first one. Baba Taivasa Versona. But you can imagine here, she's already married. I don't want this night to go by with such an opportunity that is lost. That was her tzidkus. How much she wanted to be with Yaakov Avinu? She was Moshel on her Yetzer, on her good Yetzer there. But it, it was it was not hard. As she knew someone, which turned out to be Yisachar, would come from tonight. So now we understand. That's the Medrash in Vayetzeh. But she was Mizalza if she wasn't Zohar to be buried. What do you mean, buried? HaKadosh Baruch Hu saw the unbelievable element of Moshel that Rachel can have over her own Taivah. HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, I'm going to listen to her. She's Moshel. She's Mavatel Ritzona. Mipnei Ritzoni. I'm going to be Mavatel, my Ritzona. For her, I'm going to have Rachmanus when she davens for me. I need her buried on the Derech. Because this is what she did. The Kivan Shehib, Batla Ritzona, Mipnei Ritzona, Shem. Minadin Hu. Shehid Tuchala Orer Rachamim. Ulevatel, Gzeres Kashas, Mal Yisrael. Hafla Vafela. Reosim Nechem, you put these two Midrashim together. It's all one. She was mezalzelous, but in a good way. She was mezalzelous because she wanted to take advantage of the night for HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Hashem says, wow, I need you on the road. I need you there. So when B'nai Yisrael go into Gullahs, you will be able to daven for them. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is mocked for Lamaka. He has to put us into Gullahs because we deserve it. And we can't stay in the, in the base of Mikdash at that time. But as, as, he goes into, as we go into Gullahs, HaKadosh Baruch Hu has already set up a, shomer, a Shomeris. Because Rebbe has already set up someone to daven for us, and both midrashim fit together beautifully. Okay, moving right along, we get to obviously all of Sefer Brachos is famous. We get to one of the more famous uh, sections of the parsha. We mentioned this following thought in a drasha a couple of years ago, and that is Menashe and Ephraim. Pasuk Yud Gimel. Yosef sets them up, by the way, in front of who? Yisrael. Yisrael and Yaakov. Yisrael is usually used, my Rebbe Rosenzweig always pointed this out, Yisrael is always used when there's something of national import that's about to be done. Yaakov is more of the personal. So we're about to have the brachas given. Yisrael is used. 
Bismo Yisrael, Vesmanashim Yisrael, Bimini Yisrael, Vayagashi love. And he brought, Yosef is very orderly, organized, set up. He's got the right kids on the right side. Vayishlach Yisrael as Yimino. Vayash as El Rosh Ephraim, who at Sa'ir, Vesmala Rosh Menashe, Sikel as Yadov, Ki Menashe Habachor. Yisrael switches the hands. Switches the hands. So we're going to have one Dvar Hashkafa and one Dvar Halacha on this idea of switching or giving brachas of the hands. question that many of the Mepharshim ask is, wouldn't it have just been easier for Yaakov to switch the kids and not the hands? He was elderly, 147 years old. Not so easy for him to like hold the hand switched. So would it be easier to tell Yosef, you just switch the, switch the boys? Why? Just, I'll tell you after. Switch them. He could have. It would have been easier. And yet, no. He dafka keeps them as they are in their position. He just switches his hands. Ask Rav Schwab. Says Rav Schwab. He didn't switch them because each one of them needed a right. Each one of them needed to be on the Tzad Yamin for something. The Yishlom are line six. Yosef himself was a dual leader. He was a leader in a double way. He was a leader in Ruchnius, Ish Haruach. Everywhere he went, he mentioned the name of God. But also he was the Gashmi leader, the physical leader. He was he was a genius. The Hainu. Moshel Midini, he was the political leader. Yaakov gave him all the Torah that he learned from Sheva Ever. So Yosef had it both. But his kids were going to be split. He had two sons. They were going to be leaders, and their descendants are going to be leaders. Go look at Rashi, this is Parsha. The descendants of Menashe and Ephraim, who were they? Right, Yeshua ben Nun was going to be from Ephraim, Gidon, and others from Menashe. What kind of leaders? His two sons were going to be leaders, but they were going to be split. Menashe was going to be the Mamune. In charge of the Gashmias, who was the, the Melitz Beinosam? Who did Rashi quote? Who was the interpreter, the translator between Yosef and his brothers? Menashe! Menashe was very involved in state activities. That was Menashe. He was what we would call a macher. Right? He was all over. He was, he was involved in, in, in the best way possible. Right? In a, right? Macher is good because it's not Hebrew, it's not English, it's Yiddish. Right? It could go over cross, cross ocean, cross ocean uh, meaning. But he was involved in everything. But that was what that's what made Menashe a leader. The Ephraim Hayalomi Torah Mipi Yaakov Avinu. Ephraim sat and learned with his grandfather. The Hikdim Yaakov. It's Ephraim Lemenashe Lahoros Al Adifus Koach Torah Al Shar Hamilos. Yaakov gave Ephraim the right hand. La Brabos Maalos Han Hagav Amalucha to include right to give him the right hand because spiritual leaders. You know, you need get, you're going to lead the Klal Yisrael, Yeshua ben Nun, you got to be at the right hand. But Klal Yisrael needs the physical Gashmi, the Menashes as well. So he kept Menashe on his right side. 
Yes, the hand symbolizes the spiritual ruchnius coming out of the hand. That's what the hand has, kedusha and tumah. Right? Why do we wash our hands in the morning? Because the ruch tumah is shorah dafka on our hands. That's the makum of tumah and the makum of kedusha. If a person stands, the highest point a person can reach is with his hands. He puts his hands above his head. That's the highest point. He didn't push Menashe away. He wanted to have both. And therefore, Sikel at Yadav. What is Sikel? Unkelis. He acted wisely with his hands. Ach Kaminun Lidohi. That was the Chachma. That he kept them both in place. And he just switched the hands. Pirisha Samzro, oh, Ayimini Zro, Asmali. He transferred his heritage that he had. He had both. But he did it through um, having both of them stay there and just switching the hands. And that's what he even says. Interestingly, if you look back in the Pasuk, when he gives these brachos, he puts his hands and then he says, Vayivarech es Yosef Vayomar. Next, Vayivarechas Banav. The next words in the Torah, he switched the hands, and Vayivarechas Yosef Vayomar, Horlokimesh es Alchov, Osai Lofanav, Arembi Yitzchak, Hamalach Agol, Zirikor, Vayivarechas Anarim. He starts talking to Yosef. Talk to the kids. What are you talking to Yosef for? Talk to Yo- no, the point is he's transferring the bracha from Yosef, which was who was a dual leader, to the children. That's why he starts talking to Yosef and says, Yosef, right, the Hamalach Agol Osi, and he did you too, Yivarechas Hanarim, and he should transfer these brachas to these two, to these two children. And that's what he even says, the continuation says Rav, Rav Shwab. That's also what it says later on. He blessed them. What do you mean? In you. Because Yosef, you have both. So in you, these two elements are what is needed for for Klai Yisrael to form one unit. Form one unit. And finally, he says at the end, this is a vart. Now we're transferring that you could give it any bris milah. Anybody ever have to speak at a bris? Shalom Zachar also. But this is it right here. Ula Darkenu, line 19. Yuvanu divrei chachamim. She'inyan abracha she'yubeza tchunos behaben hanolad kamosha ebiyosi v'atzmo. V'hine matobu manaim. We give a bracha. I'm sorry, I skipped. Go back for a second. Go to line 14. The Targum Yonasan. The Targum Yonasan and Uziel. And our Pasuk says, Ubrichinun biyoma hahula meimar Becha Yosef yivarchun beis Yisrael yas yenuka biyoma demahulta. Yosef, at every bris, they're going to say, give this bracha, that kids should be like you. And like your children. Why dafka that bracha? What does Yosef have to do with the bris? Pinchas is like, Pinchas is Eliyahu, and Eliyahu has to come to every bris because he didn't think that B'nai Yisrael were worthy. What does Yosef have to do with the bris? So explains Rav, Rav Schwab, because this is the bracha that we're giving to every Jewish baby. He should be a leader. He should have these two tchunos. He should be a leader in Ruchnius and in Gashmius for Klal Yisrael. What does the word mahul mean? Mahul means had bris, but mahul also means 
a mixture, diluted. Pirusho mizug, line 13. Savech mahul bamayim. Right, you dilute wine with water. Mahul. Klomar shal yedeha mila. Through the mila, which is a physical act, but it makes the person a full Jew. Nasa mizug bena gufa there's a combination of completion and perfection for the child. That's when the neshama goes in there. That's when we know Rahman al-Islan, if, if a baby dies before day eight, baby is a, or is a stillborn even, the minute the Shulchanar quotes that we give the baby, the baby a mila before we bury them. Because the mila, even if, it, if it's, the guf is not really, the neshama, that's what takes them to Olam Haba. At that moment, we give him a bracha, be like Yosef, be like Ephraim and Menashe, the Ish Hamas and the Ish Hanashama. That's why he didn't switch. So now, one other halachic thought related to brachos. There is an ancient minute of Kla Yisrael. This is even uh, enlarged by 20%. In source number six, I don't know, my Siddur Beis Yaakov is tiny, as you see here. Uh, but if you, um, you look at the Siddur Beis Yaakov, which is Yaakov Emden Siddur, he has a section of Hanhagas Val Shabbos, and he talks there about giving brachas to one's children on Friday night, which is the minog in many, many a house. How many hands should a father use when he gives a bracha to his child? How many hands on the head? So we're not here to paskin, but we're here to just point out the two opinions. What everyone does is good, then you could follow whatever one wants. But one of the major sources right here, the Siddur Beis Yaakov, says, Rebecca Vendin, two hands. Two hands on the child. Says Rebecca Vendin. You see, right at the beginning of Ozayin. Min hagam shal Yisrael levarecha yeladim belel Shabbos. Echad ha'avos ve'echad ha'rabanim. Wow, I was once in a shul where all the children lined up and and the, the rabbi gave, it was like a hundred kids, Gave, gave them, gave them brachas Friday night. Not as common of a minute as fathers, but um, maybe one day. After davening or going into the house. Sha'az, why? Sha'az chal ha-shefa v'ro'i lahamshicho al ha-yeladim b'yichud she'em b'kocham lahamshich ha-shefa b'ma'asehem. They don't appreciate the unbelievable ruchnius so uh, the adult, the father, should try to bring the shefa, the Kabbalistic spiritual aura, onto the child. Aval, v'chulu gadolem al yidei gadolem so'i mishubachu mishubachu yoreid v'chal v'nechaz b'yosu b'ktanim sh'adayim lo ta'am u'tam chait v'al yideim u mispashet yoser. V'chulu avagama banim agadolem m'kablim bracham yavoseim v'nachonu. And then he says on next in the next where it's underlined Umanichin bezi deyem al rashehem two hands kimo shematzinu bechal hamavarchim well we find by all brachas kiderach shenog Moshe Rabbeinu alav ashalamayin yafe like we know when Moshe Rabbeinu put his hands on Yoshua I think it was Parshas Pinchas later on yadov it's overflowing Kadosh Baruch Hu said one he says two kach roi lemavarich laolam kitov ainu yivarich v'chein kolanim the Kohanim give a bracha with two hands. Whoa. Malachim. The Gemara in Shabbos that says that we're accompanied. Last week we spoke about it. Right about Seis Shalom. 
That was the most comments I got afterwards about that uh, word, I think. They put their angelic hands on a person. So it says hands. They don't have any hands. But if you can say that they have hands, it's described as hands. Ah, Yaakov only used one hand each. Yaakov only has one hand each. How can I say two hands? Yaakov only used one hand each. No, that's only because he wanted to give them brachas at the same time. Right? He didn't want to make, with Rav Schwab's mark, he didn't want to say one leader is greater than the other leader. So he wanted to do them at the same time. He didn't want to cause jealousy. He came in front of them. They're both there. He wanted to give them brachas at the same time. He should have done Menashe first. But he chose Ephraim like Dimo. Okay. But he only did them separately because it was, uh, there was no choice. And then he continues where it's underlined. See, it's a little rubbed out. The Chain Haya Minhag Avi Mori. Alright? The Chacham Svi. That was Rabbi Yaakov father. That's what my father did. Both hands. The low, and he's very upset. Kechasre Da'as. Not like those lacking of mind. Shechoshvin, Sheyesh Kpeda Lavarek Dafka Viadachas. Not like those who are mocked only one hand. The Sod Haya Dayim Gadol. Wow. There's a secret here. And then, You can add on whatever bracha you want. Says the Yaakov Emtid. You're not giving, it's not Berchus Kohanim here. You want to give a bracha, give a bracha. The Chulu. I gave you the next line because it was here. I couldn't stop. My father kissed my mother's hand on Friday night also. Okay, had to throw that in there. Throw a little uh, Shalom Bias in there. Good. Anyway, so that's the Rabbi Yaakov Emden, two hands. Who argues? B'Shem the Gra. B'Shem the Gra, the Torah Tamim and Parsha's Naso in the Parsha of Birchas Kohanim says, V'yesh lo ha'ir amasam chuha olam levarech ishes achir v'nesiyas kafayim ha'roshem isbarech that everybody gives a bracha to each other. K'moshonan v'rechaz chasanim at a badekin people give brachas and uh, Friday night so he's bothered first by, how can I give a bracha? I'm not a Kohen. How can I give a bracha? Isn't there an Isra say for if you're a non-Kohen to give a bracha? So Bali Tosas talk about if a Yisrael goes up. Right? If there's no Kohen. Sometimes you feel very bad. If there's no Kohen in Shul. So let's say uh, nobody knows. I'll go up and act as a Kohen. If it's so bad. Right? So this is a machlokas, whether there's an Isra say or not. But forgetting going up on the, on the, on the, on the Duchen. Is there any issue? So Rajmima says, no, no, obviously not. It's not a not a uh, problem, and he quotes that the Gra gave a bracha to uh, uh, another Rav, Rav Yudches Landau. I don't think that it means Rav Yudches Landau. The Nodim Yehuda, because he was after the Gra. Can't be. B'shas Chupaso v'Niach Yado Achas Al Rosh B'shas Abracha. He put one hand on his head. B'shas Abracha v'Shalu Akach Leestim, and the Gra answered, Lo Matzinu Bracha B'shtei Adayim Rak L'Kohanim B'Mikdash. Only Kohanim and Beisai Mikdash. Okay, I don't, I didn't see anybody else. But if anybody says they're a Talmud of the Grand, this is what they do it, this is where it comes from. But the Rabbi Yaakov Emden says, no problem with two hands. Shef Abracha, Soda Abracha is in the Yadayim. This is the halachic point for the, um, for the evening. Okay. Moving right along. Hashkaf and Halacha from the Bracha. Moving right along. 
Let's get to the brachas. Get to the brachas. We know the quantity, the most of the parsha in quantity at least, are the actual brachas that are given to the shvat. And we call them brachas. We'll see if they are actually brachas. But let's talk about Yehuda for a minute. Yehuda. This is uh, one of the six psukim that needs to be at the top of a column. If you look at many chamashim, here by the Yehudas is a star. Yehuda Barosha Amud, Beis Yud Heishin Membav, Bakashimo Barosha Simen. Okay, so this is one of those crooked. Barashas, obviously, that's the base. Yehuda is Yehuda. Yehuda, I tell you, Yehuda, Yehuda, you are, you're amazing. Yishtachvu Lochabene Avicha. Your father's children, meaning your brothers, will bow down. You're the king. Malchus, right here. Gur Aryeh Yehuda, a small lion. Yehuda is like a lion. Miteref Bini Alisa. You raised yourself up from the teref. Kara Ravatz Karye, you crouch like a lion, Uchalavi Miikimenu. Many different lion uh, descriptions here. He's a Gur, Arye, Lavi, another Arye. Okay, and the last Shavim Yehud, then he continues. What exactly does Yaakov say here in terms of why Yehuda was Zoha Tamachus? Which Mida of his, of leadership, allowed Yehuda? To become the king. Remember, Yehuda wasn't born into it. Yehuda was only Bechar by choice, not a Bechar by birth. There were at least two other choices that could have been before Yehuda. And those are the real Bechorim, the Reuven and Yosef. And yet Yehuda was, was chosen. So why Yehuda? So if you look at source number eight, I don't think I've ever quoted from here. The Otsu Satara, Suriel, the former Mashkiach in Shalavim many years ago, lives in Bnei Brak. So in one of his svarim, Otsu Satori, he says, Nachor, Bamezacha ha'ish Yehuda, Le'ir kol kachatsum, Shedafka hu, Ha'ben ha'revi Yaakov, Yizkel l'mlucha shlo dipasek lo'lamim. Why was he zoche? Which mida? V'shehamashiach yem yosecha latzav? Why? So the Pasek itself answers it. He got up. He raised himself up. Right, it says that twice. Miteref b'ni Alisa, you got up. Karab ravatz karye uklavi mi kimenu. Who raises himself up except himself? He raised himself up. Where did he raise himself up? So Rashi says, Miteref mimashachashad ticha b'taraf taraf Yosef chayarach alasu Yehuda. He was part of the seil b'ni Alisa. Silakta et atzbacha v'yamarta mabetza. You said, what good is it? V'chein b'harigas tamar, shehodeh sadka mimeni. He admitted when he was at wrong, and when he is at fault. Rav Suriel quotes the entire medrash that Rashi is based on, and he quotes Vilama line thirteen. Vilama nasa nakanish parachu keser liyehuda. Why did Yehuda get the keser? Valo lolovado who gibar mikol echav shedon dinemis l'tamar. It all goes back to his admission. Ketsad. Picture the scene, says the Medrash. Hayo Yitzchak v'Yakov Yoshvin Sham. Yitzchak was still there. Yitzchak Avinu and Yaakov Avinu, they were all sitting there and all the brothers were there and they were all watching the Din Torah of Tamar. And Tamar says, well, it's the guy who this belongs to. Yehuda was in front of his whole family. He was the Gibor. He was the Yehuda. What does he do in front of everybody? It was me, he embarrassed himself, but he said, this is what I have to do. 
They would have, they, nobody would have known anything. Tamar would have taken the secret to her grave. There wouldn't have been twins born and there wouldn't have been Mashiach coming out of Yehuda. But Yehuda is a man enough to say Tzad Kamimani. Line It is so hard to say those words. I was wrong. But that's what makes a great leader. So exactly he quotes what the Malbim says. If we admit we were wrong, that's Gavos. Not somebody who cannot admit faults. Then he says in line 38 in the next paragraph, It's very hard. He quotes Shimshon. Shimshon says, Remember me, strengthen me. Omar Shimshon of For 22 years I judged. I never asked any of them for help. I didn't hold myself above. Adam says, If I, if I, a person who rules, it's very hard to take himself, take himself away. Shimshon said, I, I didn't hold myself up above them. Why does the king always have to have a safer Torah, says Rabbi Suriel? Because it's so dangerous. So dangerous for a king who's naturally above. No, remember, you're only great if you realize that you're not perfect. Keep the Torah with you. And he quotes an amazing story for Simcha Zissel, the next column, the, the, the altar from Kelm. One time there was a bachar that was coming to, to take a, an entrance exam to the yeshiva. And Rav Simcha Zissel starts testing him and the boy says a certain chiddush in Torah. And he's very proud. Rav Simcha Zissel starts asking him questions on it. And the boy can't answer the questions. And they kind of destroy his chiddush Torah. So finally the kid says, you know... I guess what Rebbe's saying is also right. Rav Simcha Zissel says, You fool! That's what you say. I need your askama. What I'm saying is also right. Be modala emes. You know how you grow in learning again to yeshiva? You say, I, I must be wrong. I'm wrong. That's a Gazaba Torah. Like the famous story about Rav Chaim Brisker when he was trying out to, to, get, to become a Ram in Velazhin. And he was very young at the time. Everybody heard of Chaim, but he was very young and he starts giving a sheer on Yavamis and he's oying and, and everybody there is just standing there like, oh, who is this? And in the middle, after an hour and a half sheer, all of a sudden, Rav Chaim stops. He pauses for a moment and he says, I'm sorry. The Rambam and the Pirish Mishnayis at the end of Yavamis says to me that it's totally against what I just said. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And he sits down. They said, you got the shear. They didn't know that Pirish Mishnayis and Yavamis, but he was Modal HaEmes. Not like that kid. Oh, yeah. I guess, I guess what Rebbe says is also right. Come on. Says, those are He says, Hashi Taisi. You can't say those words. I made a mistake. Says, that's a leader. A leader could say, say, I was wrong. Dafka through the falls. It's the falls and the, and the recognition that we do something wrong. That's the gablus. 
And that's what Yehuda did. And that's why Yehuda was Zohar to Malchus. Okay. Good. And then he quotes at the end, Ezu Gibor Kovish is Yisro, not Kovish at somebody else. Kovish is Yisro. That's a Gibor. Right? Not like the world thinks Giborim are those who conquer others. We know Gibor is not. Okay, two other thoughts for the evening. One smaller one and one uh, more basic. First thought is from the stifler. The Birchas Peretz. Birchas Peretz. Says the stifler, towards the end of the Parsha, Paro and Yosef dealing with getting Yaakov back to Eretz Canaan. And the Torah tells us, Perak Nun, last Perak in the, in the uh, Sefer, Lemar, Yosef goes to Paro and says, My father made me swear, bury me in Canaan. Paro says, Okay, go bury your father, Ka'asher Hishbiecha, as you swore. It seems like emphasis. What's the emphasis? My father made me swear, Okay, hey, you swore. It's as if Paro is saying, Hey, if you didn't make a Shvua, then I wouldn't allow you to do it. So what's the emphasis of Ka'asher Hishbiecha? So Rashi quotes, I wouldn't let you. But Paro was scared. Because you know what? Earlier in history, Yosef was talking to Paro and Paro realized that there was one language. Paro was a bucky in all languages of the land. All 70 languages, except Lashon HaKodesh. Didn't know Lashon HaKodesh. He made Yosef swear that he wouldn't be Megal of the secret. Don't tell anybody. Yosef swore... So now Yosef made a shvua to his father. So Paro, this is based on the Gemara and Masechah Sota. Paro says, okay, to the shvua. So be, be, be matur your shvua. Yosef says, oh, matur that shvua? I know another shvua I can be matur too. Paro's like, okay, fine. Go take him back to Mitzrayim. Ask the stipler. What, Yosef was like threatening? We mentioned earlier, there's a concept of Kavad Malchus. He was threatening Paro. Says the stipler, no, no, it wasn't a threat. It was a deeper psychological element that we all understand based on the Gemara. We are very, and the Gemara says this, many of us and all of us are very scared of oaths. The Gemara talks about even about Shavuos Shal Emes. People are very scared of taking oaths. But, explains the stipler, Vanira, let's read a line 8. He wasn't saying that, no, oh, if I'm matter this shvua, I'm matter that shvua. No, he wasn't threatening Paro. But what he was telling Paro was that, right now, I'm scared of shvuas. If you say that I should be matir and get rid and uproot my shvua that I gave to my father, shvuas are going to be less stringent in my eyes. And naturally... I might come to reveal the secret. He's not threatening. But he's saying once we allow certain behavior, then it becomes much less in our eyes. As the Gemara says, the first time a person does an Avera, it's very difficult. Once it's done once, much easier. Somebody comes late or misses Minion the first time, that's very hard. How do they do it? Second time is much easier. Nasus Lokehetar, the Gemara says. Anytime we do anything, it's a slippery slope. We open the door a little bit, then every, the, it could be a flood. That's what Yosef's telling Paro in a deeper level. He's not saying, no, he's threatening him. He's saying, no, but if I'm matur that shvua, then I'm going to know in the back of my mind. An oath? Like, you can be matur an oath. What's the big deal? I'll take it less seriously. And therefore, that's what he's telling Paro. Paro realizes this and says, you know what? It's better for me not to take your father up. Kasher
Good. Final thought of the evening, a major idea. Major, majorly important idea by the Abarbanel. The last page of the Abarbanel in Sefer Bracious. Ask the Abarbanel. And this is a message for those who live in Eretz Yisrael, and this is a message for those who live in Chutz Laaretz. Ask the Abarbanel. What was so important to Yosef and Yaakov in our parsha? They both made their family swear, don't bury me in Eretz Mitzrayim. Make sure to bury me in Eretz Kena'an. It's not just something that happens in our modern era with El Al flights. It happened in the Torah. Yaakov said, take me to Eretz Kena'an. Yosef said, take me to Eretz Kena'an. Chazal say, all the Shvatim. Right? Whether it's true or not, about 15, 10 minutes from here, there's Kever Dun. At least the simon of Kever Dun. So what's so important about being buried in Eretz Kena'an if one was not living there? And there's even a medrash. It's even a, a very scary medrash. Say Chazal, line 13. Shnei Chachamim ra'u aron shalmeis shahayabam min chutz la'aretz li'ikavar ba'aretz. Two of the Tanaim saw a funeral procession bringing an aron from chutz la'aretz. Amr Rebbe Lazar, ma'hoel zeh sheyatesan nishmaso chutz la'aretz u'bar li'ikavar ba'aretz. What does this guy think he's doing? What, he thinks he's going to get Chutz of Eretz Yisrael? He's not going to live there. What do you think? Oh, I'm going to be buried there. What does this guy think he's doing? Korei Ani Alav says, Rebbe Lazar in the Medrash, V'tavohu v'tatamu es artsi v'nachlasi samtam l'toeva b'chayechem lo'alitem b'misaschem v'tatamu es artsi? That's a pretty scary thought. The Medrash is saying, Somebody was in Zohar and didn't choose to live in Eretz Yisrael? What right do they have to be buried in Eretz Yisrael? If it's God's land and it's the chosen land, then all Jews should live. This is the Barbanel talking, who did not live in Eretz Yisrael. Vahanira Mizeh, line 18. Shehameis chutzla aretz lo daich lo holo we didn't get to the answer yet. The Bible now first says, you see from here that it's not enough that he wasn't not to be buried there. Elochet Gadol. If he didn't die there and he's being brought there. So what about Yosef? What about Yaakov? Aval Hatshuva al Says the Abarbanel. Eretz Yisrael is Eretz HaKadosha. Eretz HaNifcheres is the land. And if someone could have the schus of living here and to do their utmost to being here, Kadoshi Karelahem, and they have the schus of be burying here. But what if someone can't? So then it depends. It depends why they're out of Eretz Yisrael and what they're accomplishing out of Eretz Yisrael. Yesh Rabbim Ibn Adam, Sheyevalu Yemehem Betov, Betor of Mitzvah, Betamid Yachul of Neashem, Bartos Achayim, Umebrek Vekusam, Vishlemusam, Bechayehem. If somebody is a kadosh, if somebody is in chutz la'aretz, because that's where they feel for whatever reason, or that's where it's impossible otherwise, but they are dedicating their life to Torah and mitzvot and avodah Hashem, this is not an excuse. The highest level, obviously, and the ideal for every Jew, and the Abarbanel won't argue with that, is Eretz Yisrael itself. That's, that's the goal. But if someone
somebody, it's impossible. Let's say they lived 200 years ago where there was no, there was no place, there was nothing to, there was no place to be. There was. But it was much more misukan. It was misukan then. There was nothing there. The Ramban came, there wasn't a minute in Yerushalayim. And he celebrated being there. There was no Torah. He brought a Torah from Shechem to Yerushalayim. There was no Torah in Yerushalayim. Says the Abarbanel, but if somebody lives their life on such a plane in Chutz Aretz that they're Nechshav Kadosh, then they're Zohar to be buried in Eretz Yisrael. They were Kadosh there that could come to Eretz HaKadosha. If Rahman al-Itzlan, line 32, they still have to, as Chazal say himself, to roll here. But I'm saying, if they wouldn't be buried there, but if they come, if they want to save themselves, the Gilgal Atzamos, which is Tchiyas HaMesim, then they can come to be buried here. Because that's not Tumas Haaretz. But if somebody lives in Chutz Aretz and their life is centered not on Ruchnius, it's focused on the Gashmius of Galus, then they have no place to be buried in Eretz Yisrael. Says the Abar Benel who lived in Chutz Laaretz. They didn't live in their life. They want. They didn't get the schus in their lives. They'll put sitzes and tefillin on after they after they die, but not when they live. The biting words of the Abarbanel, and he continues, and he says that's where the Medrash was said. The message being that Yaakov and, and, and Yosef, obviously, they weren't even there by choice. But they were the Shvatim, they were the Avos HaKadoshim. Wherever a Jew lives, we have a, an obligation to sanctify our lives in all areas. If one has the schus of living in Eretz Yisrael, they get to live in the palace of the king. It's not the most simple life. There are issues, there are challenges. But this is the land that Kodesh Baruch Hu wants us all to be in. But if somebody does not have the schus as of yet to live in Eretz Yisrael, Yavarbanel tells us what the message is and the tafkid is to live a life as much of Kedusha and Tara focused on Torah and mitzvahs. To make themselves nechshav a kadosh even in Chutz Laaretz so that the Eretz will be collate them and at least they'll be zochah lihi kaver the Eretz Yisrael. Again, there's no psak halacha here. Gotta have to ask, ask one's posek here about Kfur and Eretz Yisrael that's the Minag of Chai Yisrael is as many as one could be. There are many Gedolim buried in Chutz as well. But this is the message of the Abarbanel, which is clear for us. We have to try to live our lives on a spiritual high plane as much as we can. That is Vayechi, Chazak, Chazak, V'nizchazek.